Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. The crescendo of spring is over and now the long, hazy summer days are here. Colour is the name of the game, whether in our blossoming borders, cute containers or walls of riotous roses. The climax of the gardening year has begun. The hum of mowers, smell of suntan lotion and sight of hoeing is all but too common on Saul and my estate gardens. Keeping everything looking lovely whilst balancing the time we have to spend on the plethora of jobs is one of the fine arts of any head gardener's role. But remember to take some time out to enjoy your efforts. Every week, Lucy and I will endeavour to bring you into our world throughout the summer, whether at Stonelands or East Donland Hall, in our own modest gardens packed full of fruit and veg and the odd exotic jungle, or on the road as we travel the country, enjoying the best this industry has to offer. So, settle back for another episode of Hijinks and Horticultural Waffle, as we take you inside the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, hello everybody. Another episode of Talking Heads here. Uh, Lucy is in Essex, I'm in Devon. Devon is a bit wet uh, today. I hear Essex is a bit wet, which is unusual. I know. But the, the main thing is we seem to have gone back into autumn, Lucy. It's about 12, 13 degrees. <laughs> I've stuck on a long-sleeved shirt. It was tempting to put a jumper on. It's miserable outside. I'm not going to complain. It's wet stuff, which we've needed for so long. But... Um, I suspect, well, most of the time it fizzles out when it gets to the east, but you say it's a bit wet as well. It is. Yeah, I was um, outdoor this afternoon sewing some things in the garden and uh, I had it reliably informed to me that it was going to be raining by 2pm. And then that wave of weather came through with no rain. I was like, oh, here we go. It's that old from the West <laughs> again, where it's just going to peter We've out. We've nicked it all. We've nicked it all. You take it all and yeah. we get none. Um, but then come 5pm, it has been a lovely, slow, steady rain. And I think it's going to rain through the night from what we can gather. So if we get another 10 mil, that would be great. We had uh, 9 mil last week or maybe just the end of the week before. So that's great. If I can have roughly 10 mil every week on my sandy soil, I'm a happy girl. So, and, yeah. and you know, gardeners, we love the sort of, it's the kind of rain which you don't notice, but drenches you through quite thoroughly within a few minutes and it's ideal for the garden because at this time of year this ground can be quite hard and water just seems to especially heavy water will just flow over it and into the nearest gutter or or soak away or wherever it's going but this kind of rain just seeps into the beds into pots into everything hanging baskets you name it into your skin <laughs> your beard you name it this rain will seep into it. It's brilliant. I love it. And I'm very grateful because it has been quite dry. And I think a lot of people were thinking, are we going to have pretty bad drought? But this is great. This is going to see us, I think, for at least another two or three weeks. Brilliant. Hopefully the plants continue on. And they, I've, I tell you what, some of my hydrangeas have perked up already. So they're, they're very oh, happy for them. Because they had a tough year last year, hydrangeas, didn't they? They really were whacked back with that drought. How many mil have you had then, would you say, so in the last week or so? Well, Make I'd, me feel a bit nauseous again. Yeah, mostly today. I'd say, well, it's been constant since 11. So I haven't looked at my wheelbarrow. Oh, really? I will look in the wheelbarrow <laughs> tomorrow and see what exactly that has to tell me. But I yeah. reckon it's got to be something like 10, 15 mil. It's oh, not okay. heavy. Well, that the, the right. other week where we discussed, I think it was 20, 30 mil, that was heavy rain. 
Um, so that really came down. So this has been a very just general soaking. I, I think this will penetrate the soil better. Though. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. It's that slow, steady rain that, as you say, seeps in, doesn't run off. The, I think the old seed rape growers around my way were a little bit twitchy last week with our nine mil because that did come down quite hard. And then they said got their harvest in, all those pods that were drying out would have uh, completely shattered and, and scattered their seeds all over the soil. But this kind of rain is very pleasant and it's overnight for me. I'm quite happy about that. I should be slumbering away tonight, hopefully. And uh, the rain will be filling up my water butts, seeping into all my veggie beds. I have been watering my vegetable garden quite a lot at home. I have been putting on, right. if, if nature hasn't done so, I've been putting on 10 mil each week because I love my edibles and I really thought, you know what, I'm happy to do that. I haven't been watering any other parts of my garden at home and the borders, my goodness, they really were showing it. So uh, yeah. you know, my, my shuttlecock ferns, my, oh, I had my, my clematis pearl dezoras flowering its socks off. It's looking splendid at the top of the wall, but a lot of other things were really looking, really burnt out. My GMs had all kind of like died back. So... I was a little bit nervous about it, but I'm so glad that the rain is now coming. And um, yeah. You said last week that the roses, although a brilliant display, had gone over very quickly. And it was interesting. I saw a news article this week from the BBC saying that uh, a lot of flowers have gone over very quickly. But uh, I think orchids, uh, the wild orchid population, though a good display, had gone over very quickly. And they were a little bit worried about the insect populations, especially pollinators, not uh, butterflies, especially not being able to get on enough food uh, before these flowers were all burnt out. And I, yeah, I sort of agree. We said with the roses last week, I think there's a few things that have just, although flowered quite well, just burnt out very quickly with the uh, with the high temperatures in June, because that's the other bit of news we got this week. June it was the hottest since records began 1884 or something like that and i i think especially i think especially in the west as far as i could tell that that was that was very true and it was very hot high uv as well I'd, i know plants like the uv like the sun rays but i think a bit too much may be a good thing i don't it's know like where we are in east anglia i think maybe we're slightly more used to the higher temperatures possibly um but it, yeah, June June was hot. One thing, going back to the roses quickly, um, at the hall, we've got some, the ramblers are now kicking in because they often have a later display than the hybrid teas and the climbers and the shrub roses. Right. So we've got we've got um, rambling rector in the, in the a pear tree that's actually gone over now. But seagull, I put a little post out about that on Instagram today. Um, the seagull in the weeping willow tree, this is a mature weeping willow tree right by the edge of the moat. Oh my gosh, it's in full bloom and it's up to... It's like a two-story building of just white. It's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And and more diminutive, but I would say, you know, equally as pleasing to the eye are crimson showers, which I've been training up against the terrace wall in um, part sunlight. It's not in full, full sun, it's, um, but it does get a good amount of light. That, um, it literally is showers of wonderful rosy crimson flowers cascading from the wall. Uh, it looks a picture. I'll put again. I'll put a picture up about that in the next couple of days. But yeah, the ramblers are really looking splendid at the moment. They do pick up the baton from that earlier display of the of the of the climbers and the the shrub roses. Yeah, the good thing about ramblers is they are prolific. God, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're just a one shot. Yeah. they're just a one shot mm. rose. But that one shot is pretty mm. spectacular. And as the name implies, they're very good at growing into 
all those spaces where you leave them. I've got Bobby James here at home, not Stonelands at home, which we've just got growing over a fence in any awkward fashion. And that has flowered really well. It mm. is over now, but it absolutely flowered its socks off. And uh, for flower power, especially with the smaller, the single little flowers that you can get, I know you can get double uh, ramblers as well, but I do like the singles that come in heads of like 100 to 200 flowers yeah. in just one head. And then on a plant, you can get something like what? 30 40 it's spectacular isn't it it definitely gives its but you know okay it's one shot but it gives it that shot uh really well Uh, you know they're fantastic plants and it picks up Mm. the baton as i say the rose baton it does do that and then in the meantime hopefully those roses that do have a repeat Mm. flush of flowers well our our iceberg in the whiteboard we can already see the side shoots are already two three inches long today and so They've been deadheaded expertly by Boo. Boo's really getting nailing rose deadheading, which is wonderful. So thank you again so much to her. Um, yeah, the the icebergs are almost almost ready for their their second flush of flowers pretty soon. So yeah, ramblers they do have their place. They there are some smaller ramblers, um, but there are some massive big ones. So if you are tempted to buy a rambling rose, do check the dimensions of it before you purchase because you've got to. There's nothing worse than trying to hack back a rose that does not want to be hacked back and you're putting it on too small a wall or obelisk or whatever it might be. Give ramblers the space they need to do what they do brilliantly. Yeah, ramblers have their place. Probably not against your house wall, I'll tell you that. We have Rosa Banks here. No, no, <laughs> no technically it's not a rambler, yeah. but it exists in that same mm, realm. That's... And we've got it in the most, well, it's not the best spot. It's right next to the kitchen door. And it wants to take out the kitchen door and the kitchen as well. It wants to get in there and grow inside. <laughs> so if you are thinking of putting a rambler in, think about the space it's going to occupy. But like I said, there are some smaller ones. And there are a few of the less uh, vigorous ramblers. You can almost train like a climber, sort of. I'm just trying to remember the one we've got at Stolen's. It's a French one. Is it Madame Giselle or something like that? That's quite nice. I trained that as a climber, so... Um... Yeah, you can train a few of them, but uh, again, that they give that one shot. But what a shot they give! That bank, the Banksia rose. Going back to that, we've got the Alba Plina in the white border, and it's a slightly off white, which really annoyed the owners because they wanted it to be pure white. But it's it's got a touch of cream to it, so maybe it's right. a slightly the nomenclature is slightly slightly inaccurate. But <laughs> um, yeah, that was one of the first roses I planted when I started at the hall. And actually to see it now, it's up into the second story of the hall and way above those second story windows. It's it's a huge beast of a thing. But when I planted it, it did sit there for a couple of years and not do much. And then suddenly got its roots in and threw up loads and loads of stems, which we've trained in up and over, you know, that up and then horizontal. And that's a good point about the horizontality of roses. Get those long stems onto the horizontal and they will flower so much better if, mm. uh, uh, if you leave them to go upwards they do tend to just put on more and more growth they just want to go up and up and up but as soon as you bend them down the hormones change and they get going you, nobody wants a bare bottom <laughs> do they you, you don't <laughs> have you ignored that politely so you don't want the bare bottom do you of a rose they, they get bare at the bottom that's what i mean there's no flowers at the bottom. It's all you on the top. You never want a bare bottom in garden, especially during the winter. Bare bottoms can be quite uh, frosty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a different... Yeah. Right, moving yes, on. Yes, moving on. We have someone to thank uh, for our Buy Me A Coffee. Um, now, this is a... I, I'm pretty sure, Ben... Thank you very much, Ben. This is your fourth time 
donating oh, to ben. us. Um, That's spectacular. You generous soul, you. Thank he never you. leaves a message. That's the only thing I'll say, Ben. But you're you are you are speaking volumes in the amount of times that you have sent us a plant, as we as we call them on here. We 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 can have a whole border by the time you finish do- donating, Ben. So thank <laughs> you very much uh, for supporting us, and thank you to everyone for supporting us. It's 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 always nice. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a supporter close to home here, who's my partner, Nick. And uh, I don't mention her enough on this podcast. She listens to the podcast on her way home, her walk home from work. And uh, she had a bit of a chuckle about uh, the beard and the Malabar spinach from the last episode, which I think someone else had a chuckle with on Twitter. I didn't quite see that. Was it Bob? I disturbed Bob, yeah, I didn't I? It was Bob. Yeah, I disturbed him. I'm so I'm sorry. But honestly, the, actually, my, my, my theory, Bob, was sound because I still maintain that Saul's beard would make a fantastic um, rope, sort of a... a a tufty rope for the Malabar spinach to support itself on. <laughs> Do you know what? I bought our hanging basket liners. I'm just going to put up the um, crimson, cherry crimson uh, tomatoes. Oh, yeah. I'm just about to put those in. And I bought the, the liner. And I, I, do you know how you do? You just look at it and you think, and then you compared it to my beard. And I thought, they're very similar. Maybe I have got, maybe there is a commercial opportunity in my beard for lining hanging baskets. It's, just, it's sustainable. <laughs> It's definitely sustainable and renewable, isn't it? Definitely, Surely. Definitely. Ticking all those those buzzword boxes. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, less of my beard and more of what's going on in our veg gardens. I'm, I'm as everyone knows, listens to this podcast, I'm quite late this year. So I've managed to finish off all the planting, apart from those hanging baskets. So tomatoes are in. Big Daddy is now less small. Yes. That's all I can say. It's not big, but... The tomatoes are in, so all the tomatoes. Oh. I planted the crocchini, this outside blight-resistant tomato. So I have six of those out in the borders. They're all looking pretty good. Actually, everything's looking reasonable. My potatoes are looking very healthy. No blight so far, Ooh. so I'm happy with that. Um, yeah. My, well, can I... Oh, have you got... Potatoes, just you, you struck a chord there. Only, only because we lifted... Have you got spud problems? Spud problems? No, no, no. We lifted our charlottes tonight. Oh, our you? new potatoes at home, because as I say, bear in mind, the kitchen garden at the hall this year is um, dormant. And I'll talk about that later in this episode. But uh, in, in, like I say, making up for my, my lack of edibles at the hall, I have gone full throttle into my own garden at home. My charlotte potatoes that I lifted tonight, again, I think Tuesday must be my pesto pesto night because we had pesto broad beans, courgettes, and um, sh- with charlotte potatoes as opposed to pasta. Uh, it's a very good carrier for flavour. They were so clean. They are. Uh, we've got a really good crop of potatoes this year. I'm so pleased. So, um, And again, I'll be maybe putting a few photographs up of those just to show you guys because, um, yeah, I'm really impressed with them. Charlotte's always a good doer anyhow. Yeah, I've got charlottes and I've got uh, uh, Pentland javelins, my uh, the other variety I've got. But the, I concur with you, the cleanness of the plants at the moment, especially the potatoes. Like I say, no blight at the moment, but also no damage on the leaves. It looks like, well, I think, again, due to the weather conditions or the, the general climate, maybe there aren't so many of those pests and uh, uh, and uh, slugs and things around that are doing the damage. I, I never really get any. And they're up and out quickly, aren't they? As well, new potatoes are up and out with the soil quickly. They're not like your main crops yeah, that hang around not, for slugs and eelworms and stuff. I've also got all the squashes yeah. in. Put another load of beetroot oh, in. Oh, great! I'm feeling pretty yep. pucker about the vegetable garden, and it's looking very pretty as well. 
I, I, I'm not, a, as it's you know... Nice of it to look pretty. Yeah, as you know, I'm not very... I'm not a veg grower. I'm not natural veg grower, anyway. Well, I'm working on you. Yeah, you are working on me. So if as long as I can make it look nice, then I think that's half the battle. <laughs> no vegetables, um, but at least it looks good. Maybe I need to work on that bit a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to eat stuff. Oh, asked um, raspberries are, are really ramping up now. My summer raspberries, my tulamine and my mulling admiral. Really, really lovely raspberries. Um, the autumns look like they're going to have a lovely crop. What else have I started picking? Oh, my cherry tomatoes in the greenhouse are now starting to ripen, which is great. I can't wait to get my teeth into those. Mm. Um, the Lizetto in the hanging baskets had already started because they're that little bit earlier. But my cordon cherry tomatoes, of which I've got a dozen different types, all different colours, all cherries, all high bricks levels, apparently. So I'm really excited to be taste testing those later this summer. They are starting to ripen and the trusses look lovely. They, I've been damping down every day and it really does help to set the flowers. So, And just for those who don't understand, bricks, that's the sugar level, isn't Sorry, it? Sorry, yes. It's a percentage sh- sugar level in the, uh, you sort of mash up yeah. the fruit and test. the. As 10% is a good bricks level for a cherry tomato oh, go look out for your bricks levels in your cherry tomatoes future i'm hoping this cherry cascade in the hanging baskets will actually crop quite quickly generally the ones in the hanging baskets seem to come around and because they're bush tomatoes and not playing around with any cordons or any pruning they generally run to flower quite quickly and you can get a lot of lot of bang for your buck yeah and you've been sowing lettuces or salads in general for the I did it today. show garden. The show garden continues. It's going to be continuing for months, isn't it? You're just going to be I am. show I am. gardening it is, every it is week. It's taking now. over my life slowly and beautifully now. It's a, I am um, fully immersed in it. Uh, my husband keeps saying that he's lost me to the show garden for the moment. And it's true. I'm sorry you have. <laughs> but I'll be back. Come the second week of September, I'll pop back up again. And uh, you'll think, oh, that's the one from the church. I remember her. Um, but yeah, I've been sowing lettuces Today, because those last week I was saying I'm on that cusp of wanting to, but sitting on my hands. Today, I, I untied my hands, ripped open those seed packets. I've sown six different varieties of lettuce all through various um, ages of the Grow Your Own story. So that's that's great. And um, yeah, I've got some cut and come again to sow, but I'm obviously not going to do that till way, way into um, the the. Uh, end of July, early August. So yeah, it's nice to get that done. And mm. we should also give a shout out to anyone who's attended Hampton Court because it was press day on Monday. Yes, this yes, this yeah. week. And then I'm going to be there. So this will come out on the Saturday, and I won't I won't yet have been. I'm visiting with a friend on the Sunday as a punter because I haven't done that for a long, long time. And a friend would love to um, go to the show, and so we're going to go together as a couple of mummies on the loose. So watch out. Uh, uh, our respective husbands oh need to just maybe rein us in a little bit before we go so that because we both love our plants and I think we can encourage each other into, into all sorts of um, purchasing decisions if we're not too careful. So, yeah, <laughs> wait and see what happens. I think they should close the PIMS, uh, <laughs> the PIMS bars before you get oh. there. I'm not fussed about the PIMS, it's but the plants. I've got to keep my faculties about me when I'm making these judgments. So, you know. PIMS, PIMS and plants always go together. But that's why Hampton Court is the summer, is the summer festival. And the nice thing about it is a very much a a, a buying flower show. Although I think they call it a festival now, um, where you can just buy everything you see. And there are a lot of there are a lot of plants there. Well, I guess we'll be there for the sell-off as well, won't Ooh, we, on the course. Sunday? Now be careful. Now you know you know to be sensible. Don't go buying any olive trees or anything like that. <laughs> 
I wasn't sensible at Gardener's World Live when it came to the sell-off. I got thoroughly into that. I really enjoyed myself and then had, had to realise about how to, to carry it back to the um, the car park at the Ibis Styles. That was an interesting... I think I, think um, I might have helped with the carrying. Packing of my backpack. You did help immensely. Thank you ever so much. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, no, Hans Court should be good <laughs> and you're going to report back next week on what you see. Yes. I've seen a few. I've seen a few photos. Well, just just now because I forgot it was on <laughs> until you reminded me. <laughs> so it looks quite good. Uh, Carol Klein's got a garden there. That should be an interesting look. I think she's got that. That uh, was it. Pierre Aldolf the other year that we went had that sort of big garden area, wasn't it? Yeah, prairie style gardens. Uh, see what happens there. Yeah, no, mm. that should no should be good. And um, yeah, we yeah. Well, what? How many weeks have we got? Seven weeks to Lordly. So a bit of you'll be getting some inspiration at a flower show. Let's hope because uh, they've got haven't they've got the allotment area there? Haven't they, at Hampton. At Hampton, haven't they? Uh, near the rose tent, if I remember rightly, where all the allotment uh, society. They have yeah, they have done in the past. Is that a regular slot now? I, I'm sure I saw someone oh, okay. mention will... it on. Um, oh, I look forward so to you that. Can, uh, get some inspiration. Talking about purchases and um, parting with our our cash, I have been a bit. I haven't been trigger happy. I've been instructed to buy some items for the hall because I was wanting to talk about, um, we've had a sort of, what were we saying early on? It was cutting, oh, your, yeah, cutting coat your coat according your to your cloth, cloth. Which is something gardeners are not very good at. We have big eyes and big stomachs. I don't know, big stomachs, that's <laughs> only if you're eating. That was during lockdown. Mine's gone. Big there. eyes and ambitions. And I think especially new gardeners, this is a... I know we're about to talk about the economy of scale in terms of what you can get away with, but new gardeners uh, and old gardeners, I will say, are very guilty with their garden, want to do as much as possible. But actually, one of the things you have to learn as a head gardener, especially professionally, is to cut that coat to the cloth or else you will just have too much to do. And you can do a lot of things poorly or you can do a few things really well and i think the last one is probably what we need to aim for yeah really. yeah definitely i think um we've all been in the situation where we've overstretched ourselves and then felt like we haven't done our those all those jobs to our full potential um at, at the moment i'm on the flip side of that you know uh so the hall is on the market uh it's um we've got a sort of scaled down workforce but we want we want to keep things looking spick and span for viewings and things along those lines and so um yeah, we, I am having to rethink the way that I do things with the workforce that we have and focus on jobs that normally I wouldn't just focus on. You know, as I say, we've got no kitchen garden. We've got no, um, I'm, we're not in harvesting the fruit from the fruit cage too much at the moment. That's going to, we've left that to the, the family to, to sort out because they're wanting us, as I say, to, you know, keep the edges straight, the weeds down that kind of thing um and i do know we will have a, a, a staff shift in the summer so the carer will be um uh departing which is going to be a, an end of a chapter and also ian my other half will disappear onto the local farm for the summer months from the end of july through till september so again you're like wow how is how is this going to work with the restricted workforce that we have at the moment and luckily the family have perceived this as well, which is great. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about how we're going to manage the the estate because it's still all there in all its glory and it, they want it to look fabulous. So we are um, taking a different approach. And, you know, it's something that we still need to think about as, as 
head gardeners and and um professionals we we have all these you know ebbings and flowings of situations and phases in the estate's history and all that kind of stuff so at the moment we are going to put weed control fabric all over the beds in the kitchen garden right okay which which took me a while to get my brain around because i was like oh but it would look so much nicer to be hoed soil but yeah. no it's it's i had to sit with that for a couple of days and i i get it completely and it is logical um and that's you know there's lots of bare earth in our lovely sandy soil uh if we get rain and we're getting a wet year this year those weeds will just grow and grow and grow it's phenomenal the rate of growth when you get a warm day after a rain it the the you can hear the plants growing at the hall. It's, it's, it's surreal. It's, it's that, you know, that rapid. So, yeah, all the kitchen garden beds, uh, I've ordered the, the fabric for that. We've got the ground pegs. That's, uh, it's all in. Um, so it was ordered last week. We're putting it up. Uh, well, tomorrow we're going to have a good old stint at that. And also we have ordered, and this, this really did appeal to me the first time round, actually, when, I, um, when it was sounded out with me, because we talked about it with the owner's quite a few years ago seat hoses we've got 300 meters worth of seat hoses okay. to go snake around the beds because i, I think we've t- touched yeah. on this before when you're trying to irrigate if you're irrigating with an overhead sprinkler you then encourage because you're watering the whole area you do encourage a flush of weeds to come through because you're watering that surface so where all the weeds seeds are sitting and it makes it makes work for yourself so um i'm really pleased that we're going to go down the seat hose route which can be buried beneath a lovely layer of mulch so we've got 300 meters worth i've got lots of hose pipe connectors to make sure that we can connect the the tap to the hose and then the hose to the seep hose and we've got the i say more ground pegs we've got um, junctions that we can you know we can split the hose into three or four if we want to on the big area so that's all happening this week and next week my deadline is um the mid to late july to get all that done because that's when my workforce then suddenly shifts down to be a lot smaller uh, and i want to ensure that we can just go to the hall turn the tap on then go about our business doing other other tasks you know tying in deadheading there will be weeding to be done there'll be things to clear so we can get that done whilst the beds are merrily watering themselves and that's you know that's just where we are at the moment so and you're not tempted to automate that at all the seat hose system well we might do yeah yeah we could do i um we have got a couple of automatic kits um in the in the tool shed so i could dig those out uh, in all uh, to be honest because i'm not too far away from the hall i in in a way i sort of want to still feel connected to it and i think because so many things at the moment are making me feel slightly disconnected in the fact that as i say we you know we, we just haven't got the the staff there as, as much as we had i don't mind running up there every every day and turning on the tap and turning it off again that to me is i, I want to still feel part of it so that's that's yeah I'm, I'm okay with that yeah and i i sort of agree with you when i say uh, making things a lot easier for yourself i think one of the problems you can get with big gardens big guards so sort of talking to the the head gardeners with large areas is that you tend to focus on one or two areas and then the other areas sort of get out of hand i always suggest that you you start thinking of it in terms of how much time you're willing to spend in each area and sort of then splitting it up to understanding the percentages of where you're going to be and then sort of tailor the type of planting or uh 
the amount of workforce, uh, you know, the amount of people you're going to use in an area. So for a big example is at the moment, we're in that sort of post sort of spring, early summer upheaval of everything. All the spring wildflowers have gone over. The grass is long. Things are just starting to look a little looser. Uh, and now I have to start the strimming. Now, strimming takes us a, a fair amount of time. <laughs> It does. You're always, oh. yeah, in the summer, I always catch you streaming if I phone you up, don't I? <laughs> I'm always on the end of a streamer for at least three days yeah. of the, the week. But I've sort of put my, I've sort of um, planned for that. I've got the percentage of my time that I'm going to spend on the streaming. And then I use the other guys. But at that point, then I know that we can't get to other things. So I make sure that uh, things like the vegetable gardens finished. Uh, I'm happy just to leave the herbaceous borders maybe for two weeks. Mm. Uh, just ensure mm. that the mowing is uh, a level where I can probably miss maybe a week. This year has been fine because it hasn't really been growing that much. But just knowing at what time of year you're going to be doing certain things allows you again then to cut that coat to the cloth that you have because there are certain periods of the year where you will be very intensely invested into one area of the garden. For example, I know at the end of August we'll be cutting the meadows then uh, they'll be sitting there for a week and then we'll be raking that off and taking that off. So that's a, a good fortnight probably taken up there. So knowing uh, you hedging, the you hedging cut starts about the middle of August and we know we take about a week and a half to just get round all that. So knowing that these things exist, then you can sort of work out what you can do in the middle. And I have to say, nothing's worse than planning an intensive herbaceous bed or a big vegetable garden or whatever you're thinking. And then coming to it year after year and thinking, I've never had the time to actually fully invest into this. So maybe, like we said at the start, doing something a bit smaller where you can you can invest the time and make a good job of it rather than having huge plans that never really work with the resources you've got. And then always planning for a contingency as well. This year, I haven't got. I still haven't got my tractor back for the workshop. Oh so gosh, really? We haven't had that for a month and a half, so that hasn't helped. I've recently had to put in my reciprocating mower to get fixed, so we haven't got one of them. Machinery always breaks down. That's a that's a given in our line of work. But having that contingency to understand if that doesn't work, uh, that you can move on to something else or, or do something else without feeling like you're getting behind is quite important. Flexibility. Uh, in the garden is really important. So yeah, cutting your cloth, very important. One thing that surprised me, because we I had all the intentions to stake the herbaceous borders at the hall this year, the hot and cold borders. And they're big borders, you know, they're like, as I say, sort of 20 metres long. A lot of work. Three, yeah. four metres deep. Um, we didn't we didn't have time to do it in the end. And I literally just had to go, well, whew, let's suck it and see, let's see what happens. They have been great. Yes, there's been the odd Good. plant collapse. And I did have to jump in for the delphiniums and just stake three or four of them right on the edge. But actually, because they're so mature and they're so densely planted, everything pretty much has supported itself. So that was a really pleasant thing to witness because I, I wasn't sure how it was going to pan out. And there's a couple of massive big fig trees that we just, again, we just haven't had the resources to prune those this year. Um, they are laden, laden with figs this year because they've just not been, you know, touched whatsoever. So that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, a, a little frilly note. You know, just forgetting something for one year is, is sometimes not the end of hmm. end of the world. Do you know, I sometimes see this stuff as uh, experimental. Uh, you know, I try not to think, Oh, I just haven't got round to it, neglect it. I just try and see 
oh, I wonder what will happen if I don't do something or I leave that just to go for a year. And it adds to your knowledge, doesn't it? Um, you're sort of like... Yeah, it does. It's all, it all adds to our knowledge. Yeah, you're sort of like, oh, maybe if I don't prune that or maybe if I prune that slightly differently. And then you can learn stuff. Not, not everything works. Sometimes, you know, it, it, you think, oh, no, I'm going to go back to how I used to do it. But occasionally you do learn a bit of a nugget of information, like you're supporting and staking. I've been doing less than that as the years go by because it is a it is a really big job and you've got to get it the is, timing right as well if you do it too late it's quite hard to get things up if you do it too early you, you know you've just well, you don't have the the plant to see the size and get the the right measurements in so it that's is, exactly what happened Saul, because we hmm. were we were just about to stake when then we had to really push to get the hall looking sharp to go hmm. on the market so all our resources were taken off that and then on to like edging the lawns. That's right, because Savile's were coming around to do drone shots and the family really, understandably, really wanted the garden looking super polished. And that was it. I just had to go, well, I, we have to prioritise that. And that was it. We missed our window. But you've sort of learnt this year that actually not everything might need staking. So you you might change it. It's okay. It looks, you know, it looks okay. It looks okay. So I'm happy. There's a, I did notice a hollyhock had, had thrown itself onto the lawn <laughs> this morning <laughs> in disgust. But that was about it. It face-planted the grass, but that was about yeah, it. So, and plants yeah, plants are pretty, pretty robust. Anyway, so if you're out in your garden, don't worry if you're not getting everything done this, uh, this time of year. The key is to prioritise. We always say that. Write a good list. Nuts and bolts. Write a good list of the things yes. you need to do. If you get to about 60% of that list, pat yourself on the back. Don't give yourself a hard time. And uh, like we say every week, enjoy your garden. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Saul, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Instagram at headgardenerlc. And you can find Saul on Twitter at Gardening Saul. Any review you'd like to leave us via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Long summer days are the high point of any gardener's life, as we'll spend all the hours of the day enjoying our outside spaces and the plants that bring us so much joy. Gardening at this time of year is such a great pleasure, and we hope to keep sharing this all summer long. And so, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye!